Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Christian Woodford. So Christian is of course a big name in the world of strength and conditioning. He owns Woodford SSC, a private gym in Australia, where he has delivered results for the last nearly 10 years for athletes of professional, semi-professional and amateur levels. And he is super passionate about the world of strength and conditioning, which I'm sure you can hear in just a few seconds time. So today Christian is going to take us through what sports specific training is, the pitfalls, the things that you shouldn't be doing, the things that you should be doing, and how to program sports specific training in your environment. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Christian onto the show. Christian Woodford, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back on. Matty, thanks for having me back on. I really do appreciate it. After last time, we couldn't fit it all in, but I'm glad I'm back for round two. I'm pumped to educate, inspire, and show everyone that strength and conditioning is not a gimmick. It's an actual science and art. So I can't wait for today. I'm very much looking forward to it. So just a quick disclaimer. If you think Christian's talking too fast, stick it on a slower um, playback speed. Give yourself a chance. Um, if you enjoy his absolute intensity, then uh, keep it on the same. And we're going to actually destroy <laughs> this as quickly as possible. <laughs> Yes. yes. Um, so, Christian, uh, quick quick background on you. Who are you and uh, what are you up to? My name is Christian Woodford. I'm the owner of Woodford Sports Science Consulting. We're a performance centre in Melbourne, Australia. We train athletes, every sport, every level, every age, from pro, semi-pro, amateur to weekend warrior. We, we, we develop the entire spectrum from performance to injury reduction to rehab to return to perform. We do it all. We've got uh, performance coaches. We've got a performance osteo, performance physio. We've got a performance dietitian. We're the one-stop shop for all your needs, athlete development, injury reduction, and rehab. And we've been doing this for nearly on 10 years, September 13, 2022. I've got one of my boys right here, uh, Jeremy uh, Brick Borzillo, who's walked by me. Uh, he wanted me to shout out his name, Matty. He follows you guys. So I said I'd shout out his name. Jeremy, I'll shout out your name. You owe me $100 now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, ta- so, I'll yeah, take kickbacks so, yeah. on that as well, man. That's fine. I'll take my 10%. You'll get a kickback. Don't worry. You deserve it more than anyone. So you get a kickback. Beauty, beauty. So um, we're on for sports-specific training. And yep. obviously that's something that you are passionate, passionate. about. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's put it nicely. Um, yep. So firstly, what does sports-specific mean and why is it a hot yep. topic? Okay, so first of all, I want to state out sports-specific training for everyone out there isn't unstable training. I don't understand where, where people got this idea of you, you, you stand on a BOSU ball and you do your sporting action or you load your sporting action with a resistance band or you do it with a, a cable machine or you do it with like dumbbells or barbells or any shit like that. I don't, I don't understand where um, people thought that it would be a good idea to load the skill in the gym. So if you run out there, um, I don't know, I put up a, and I know, um, uh, Maddie, you shared it, was a jockey doing doing the whipping action on a BOSU ball. And I got into a fight with um, the, uh, the the jockey's S&C coach. And I said, this is not the most effective way of time that your athlete could be using um, their time to be doing physical preparation. You might as well not do physical preparation as well at all. You might as well stay on the horse and do actual sports-specific training. The chances of that transferring are slim to none. You're pretty much wasting your time. Um, and also, as well, for, for anyone out there, I want you to understand that balanced training is task-specific, meaning how you train will affect how you adapt and get, get more efficient on that, on that specific task. By doing that, that's not going to transfer to the athletic environment at all. And also, 
the whole idea of sports-specific training, if you think about it, is the true way of sports-specific training is the skill itself, is the sporting skill, where you train the, the specific muscle group, motor pattern, atomic coordination, metabolic pathway, et cetera, et cetera. That's the only true way of sports-specific tra- sport training. Everything else is secondary. Okay, now, obviously, I understand. You are gonna, there are going to be exercises in the gym that you're going to cho- choose. They're going to have more transference than other exercises. I understand. Example, a, a, a squat which is ground-based, will have more transference to the athletic environment for, for, for most field court-based sports than a leg extension leg curl that's isolation in, in, in nature. I understand that. But in general, the only true way of sports to be, tra- sports to be trained that's 100% transference is the fucking skill itself. I'm not going to say this again. It does my head in to see this, Matthew. As you can see, I get fired up. I'm passionate about it because I see so many athletes waste their athlete development potential on these stupid exercises in the gym thinking, oh, it's, it's gimmicky, it's sport-specific. Because they, the, how most of these athletes or how these coaches sell it is on gimmicks. So what happens is they say, I'm a sport-specific trainer. And how they sell it is they see, um, they see um, a- athletes, their athletes, um, completing exercises on unstable surfaces like a BOSU ball or doing um, – uh, sporting skills training that's that's loaded their resistance or loaded with resistance and they think because it looks like the sporting skill it's going to get more transference no it's not here's the reason why number one first of all athletes play sport on stable ground so they're applying force into stable ground number one number two okay by changing in the nervous system is an efficient beast right you want it to be efficient right we want to be efficient as possible for the motor skill if you're, loading the mo- if you're loading the sporting skill in the gym, you are going to make the, the motor skill less efficient. Less efficient. Not more efficient, less efficient. And trust me, and we said this before, there's a spectrum, and I've talked about this before, between specific and general, um, general exercises. The closer you get to that specific realm and mimicking the skill in the gym, the, the, the more you have to be worried about changing that, that, neuro- that neurological activation pattern. The minute you start becoming coming real too close to that, the skills component, the, the chance you're going to change that neurological activation pattern, you're going to make it less efficient. Our job as performance coaches is to make the athlete more efficient and increase what we call maximal force in the gym or what we call, what we call maximal force or um, uh, um, uh, maximal outputs in the gym. So in the gym, the gym should be left to getting stronger, getting more powerful, increasing maximal outputs and then integrating the skills as much as possible. It isn't to make to, to get them in the gym. It's not to make them less efficient. It's not to load a skill. It's not to say we're doing sports-specific training and all of a sudden we're unstable. The last time I checked, athletes applying force into the ground, stable ground. They're not fucking applying force into a BOSU ball that's unstable that you can't apply a lot of force because it's unstable. The intensity is lowered on anything you do. If you want to – you think about it. The minute you bring a BOSU ball into the equation and you're trying to squat or you're trying to do an exercise on it, what, 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 what happens with the intensity, the low? All the speed in general as well, it's minimized. Why? Because it's unstable. So if you're looking to improve that adaptation of maximal force outputs or, or power outputs, you can't do that on, a, on an unstable surface. So what do you tra- you're detraining the athletes straight away as well. You're making them weaker. You're making them less powerful. And we know through research, through anecdotally, through the coaches, strength and power is so important for athlete performance and injury reduction for all sport athletes. So that sports-specific debate, I, I, don't want, I don't want to condense it into this one t- like real quickly, but... It can be summed up with that just five-minute rant I've just done for you, uh, Matty, because it's sports-specific is such a big debate because 
it's people who get sucked in by it are people who, uh, who don't understand the science, don't understand that um, we need to be principles-based, not methods-based, um, but they, they just don't understand the science and they don't really understand the art of application. And this is why it sells is because most people don't want to be told this, Matty. You're going to hinge, you're going to squat. Sorry, you're going to, yeah, you're going to hinge, you're going to squat, you're going to push, you're going to pull, you're going to jump, land, sprint, change direction, do some conditioning, and you have to do that repeatedly and do the basics for nine, 10 years and slowly build up. Most people don't want to hear that, Matty. Most people want to hear there's a magic exercise or there's this sport-specific tra- exercise that I can choose that's going to help me transfer to my sport and I'm going to get bigger, stronger, faster. Most people don't want to hear that, Matty. They want to hear the fucking easy way out. They want to, they want to know that, oh, if I can pick this exercise that looks sport-specific, I'm going to have more transference than just doing the fundamentals on, on stable ground. Hinge, squat, push, pull, jump, land, sprint, change direction, condition, mobilize. Um, eat, recover, sleep nine hours, do that again, increase, and slowly build load that way. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear something gimmicky. They want to hear, if I can do this exercise, will my will um, I improve my um, uh, kicking or will I improve my marking or some crap like that? These people who, who push this crap don't understand science and they're making a joke for our industry. I'm here, to, I'm here to, for this podcast, I'm here to change for all those skeptics out there who say, I, I like specific training to, let's do the basics, let's nail the fundamentals, then let's integrate with the skill. That's a lot to take on, by the way. Hopefully, everyone understands that. <laughs> that's uh, that's certainly a, a five-minute rant, uh, but there's loads of high-quality information in there. So, yeah, in terms of uh, why it's a hot topic, that's kind of clear, right? Like, there's uh, there's obviously a lot of wasted time and a lot of wasted effort, potentially wasted money as well. Um, yeah. Are there any other things that people get wrong when it comes to sports-specific training? So, for example, stability training you, you've mentioned, but um, yep. Are there any other things that people really, really mess up when it comes to doing some kind of exercise which transfers to sporting performance? Listen, I think the big one, the biggest one is the one you brought up with is, is that whole thinking that balance training is the, is the golden bullet for any, any sports training. And I see it all the time where for some reason, I do not know why, and I see this time, time, time again. It might even be – actually, an, an example could be fast – you know, the ladders, right? So fast feet ladders, excuse me, fast feet ladders. And people actually thinking that just because you are you can have high stride frequency or, or, or step rates and you can plant your foot, you can turn, and you can do it in a, in a, um, in a, um, in a predisposed or um, uh, you already know the pattern – um, people think that if you can do those leg patterns and you can do it in a pre um, a pre thought out way, that makes you quicker. That's a perfect example of people who think sports specific training. Oh well, it's sports specific because he's moving his feet quick. Well, you can move your feet quick all you want, and you can you can put your feet in all these hurdles in a pre a pre thought out way. That doesn't mean that you're going to improve your agility on court or, or on the field. Or that doesn't mean you're going to get quicker either. Because we know for a fact to get quicker, especially acceleration, you have to apply force in the ground so ground contact times are longer. Right, number one. Number two, we know agility isn't predetermined, right? But change of direction is predetermined, so that's closed. But uh, agility is open. It's random. It's chaotic. How does putting your foot in a predetermined path of movement and knowing where you put your feet, how it going to help your on-field agility? It's not, but people sell it that way. So when you look at exercises, which you, in terms of, um, that might be not helping, that's two perfect examples there. And the, and the unstable surface where people think that, Training on unstable surface gets transference to sport specificity. In what world do athletes play sport on unstable surface? It makes no fucking sense. And I don't understand why people buy into this shit still. It's because they're uneducated and they see, they see, they look at, most people think this, Matt, 
they think that basics, the simplistics done savagely well is too easy. They think easy. I think, I think basics done savagely well and simplistic, I think is hard if you don't do at a high level. But most people think opposite. Most people think basics and simplistic exercise is too easy. Complex is hard. For me, it's the other way. Complex doesn't mean hard. It doesn't have to mean hard. Complex, in most, most cases I see, is bullcrap. It's not, it's not, it's not going to, it's not going to yield anything. It's not going to give you any bang for your buck. It's not going to transfer, but, but the basics, simple, simple done savagely well, it's hard. It's going to give you a bang for your buck. It's going to give you transference. And this is the, this is the issue with the industry. We, we need to flip it on its head and we need to start looking at saying doing the basics at savagely well, competently will transfer a lot more than doing complex gimmicky sport circus patterns. that's quote unquote sports civic. That's not going to have transference at all. The basics, the fundamentals will have transference. The, the sports specific, the circus, that's going to yield nothing. So you, you kind of touched on it already, right? Like the, the, the basics of strength and conditioning is what people should be doing. Are there any other things that people should be doing, uh, whether it's just avoiding those uh, things that you mentioned or uh, improving their programming in some way? What, what should people be doing to improve their sport performance and improve transference to sport? Yeah, okay. First of all, Number one, yeah, okay. When I start talking, I'm never going to people say to me, "Oh, but do you, does that mean you never do complex programmings?" Complex to me is lifting heavier weight at quicker movement speed for most people. I, I look at a program, they say, "But I want more. I'm more. I'm more advanced than this guy." Yeah, you okay? You're more advanced. You should be lifting heavy weight at quicker movement speed. That 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 to me is more advanced. But yeah, there's going to be there might be more exercises. You know, you might do more advanced. You know, for for an athlete that wants more high load power strength speed work, you might do teach them um, Olympic lifts, you might start t- teach them how to clean, snatch, or jerk because they, they might have time to learn instead of just lo- using a lot of jumps, which we know get good transference like Olympic lifts in terms of power development. That, that might be more complex. They might, you might do more complex loading parameters in terms of sets and reps. Um, you might use um, uh, French contrast. You might use post-activation potentiation com- complex training. That, that, yeah, that might be more complex. But generally speaking, most athletes aren't strong enough to get too complex. They're not, they don't move well enough to get more complex. So when I, when I look at um, most athletes, what most athletes need to stop with is doing this gimmicky training. What they need to double down on is nailing the fundamentals, learning how to move more effectively in the gym, hinging really savagely well. Look at the shape they can hold. Can they control the net, net negative? So when I'm looking, I'll give you an example for you viewers. When I'm looking at an athlete, right, and they're in the gym, right, First of all, I'm looking at a few motor patterns. Let's say for a hinge. This is what I'm looking at for a hinge. Can they control the negative? Can they, can they start at neutral? Can they, can they hold shapes, positions? Can they hold shin vertical, trunk horizontal? How deep can they go in the hinge before lumbo pelvic comes an issue? When they extend, can they, can, can they extend up with speed? Can they finish at neutral? Ankle, near, ankle um, hip, shoulder and knee. Can they finish at the neutral pattern? Are they not overextending? Can they control the neck with the three positions? Neck, uh, scapula, epoxy. When they, when they start again in position, are they starting at neutral? These are all the things I'm looking at. Can they lift heavier weight? Can they move with intent? Can they move with quality? These are all the things. See, it's not just – most people think our job, Matty, and this is what pisses me off. These people who push these sports to crap are making it hard on us to – because we have a job. We're a, In the end of the day, we're a scientist and we're a coach. We need to blend – we need a, a strong blend of both to be good practitioners. And what annoys me is we're educated, we're passionate, yet we get paid on the low end of the scale. And we get paid on the lowest end of the scale because of fuckwits like this. Sorry about my language, but fuckwits who sell crap like that. And it annoys me because people like you and me need to be paid more because we're educated and we care about our athletes. But instead, we get sold out for this bullshit of people who don't know what they're doing. And then 
then everyone thinks, well, I can do what they do. It's pretty simple. Just load the skill or stand on a BOSU ball and do an exercise. I mean, that looks easy. When you and I both know how long it takes to develop in this trade and to understand it with experience and, and knowledge and passion uh, and to develop it, you know, I've just read off one exercise, what I'm looking for. But most people think just lift weights. They think we're the weights guy. Just lift weights. Well, we're not. So for anyone out there who, who wants to demonize my job, our job, Matthew's passionate as well. He's a, he's a great coach. No, it's, it's, it's bullshit. Stop doing it because we have to go through uni. We go through – most of us go through five years of uni. I went through four years with the honours. Matthew, I'm pretty sure you would have gone through five with the masters or four with an yeah. un, um, <laughs> undergrad. You know, it, it does frustrate me, Matthew. I've been doing it 16 years, brother, and it's about time that people start – stop buying the bullshit and start nailing the basics, the fundamentals. Apply fundamental sports science principles, overload, specificity, individualization, detrain, versatility into, into a practical sense. You know, and then and then coach the athlete based on subjectively how they progress, and don't load them till they earned the right technique before load, body weight before external resistance. They must earn the right to add load in the gym, and slowly progress them based on that. It's not a rush. Athlete development is a slow cooking process. Let's not rush it. Let's take our time. Let's progress them, progress them off movement competencies. Let's progress them on how subjectively how they move. And it takes. This is what they need to work on. We need to stop with this fluff circus tricks and focus and double down on the basics and, and, and really progress them on, the fun, on, 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 on them earning it as much as possible. And that's what they need to get big on. Let's, let's fuck this fluff off. Let's fuck this bullshit of sports specificity and let's really double down on what works. And that's the basics. And I will tell you, Matthew, and to the listeners out there, I want you to get fired up because this is going to get, this gets me fired. I've been doing it 16 fucking years and 16 years I'm sick of this crap. Let's start a hashtag, right? Let's kill sports specificity. Let's for everyone out there, new hashtag. Gonna start. I'm Maddie. Let's get this. Uh, let's get this <laughs> podcast. Everyone out there listening, let's get this trending. Kill sports specific. That's the hashtag. Kill sports specific. I'll push it, Maddie. You push it as well. After this podcast, I want us, every single one in the industry, all of us watching. You might hate me. Uh, everyone listening. Some people might think I'm arrogant. All this stuff. Let's get all this. Let's come together. Kill sports specific. That's what we're gonna do, Maddie. That's my new aim. Kill sports specific. Let's try and get this trending, all right? How about that? Excellent, mate. I will uh, be sure to be spreading that in just a few minutes' time. Um, Kill sports-specific, man. I'm on it. And um, in terms of uh, youth athletes, right? You mentioned youth athletes just now. Uh, Yep. How sports-specific or not sports-specific does it need to be for them? Because, yeah, you said, uh, for example, body weight before load. That makes a lot of sense. Um, the yep. the young athletes that say sixteen to to eighteen twenty, do they need to be worried about specific programming, or does it need okay. to be just very for, much for easy? There, yeah. Okay. So that's a very good question. Once again, always good questions, Matthew. This is why I love coming to this podcast. But let me let me say this right. Depending your training age will dictate how big your window adaptation and window for improvement is. If you're young, you're a novice. You're, we all know your window adaptation is quite large. So that means training can be general and get transference to all these specific qualities like that we know that are more advanced, like power, speed, strength, all this, all this, blah, 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 blah. If you are highly trained, your window adaptation is quite small. That means your tr- your training must be specific to what we're looking at. So I want you, for everyone out there, remember this. The closer the training task, the motor skill, the greater transference. The closer the training, um, the closer the um, performance measure, the, uh, to the, tra- to the, uh, the closer the training to the performance measure, the great transference as well. So what I mean by that is, if you are testing um, a 1RM back squat, it would make sense in terms of specificity for testing to train that, to learn that, and get good at lifting heavy loads near 1RM 
of your back squad to get transference to performance measure. So for everyone out there, you asked about youth athletes. Youth athletes, their window adaptation is quite large. So you can do general training, just general GPP, general physical preparedness, and get transference to specific um, qualities that we're looking at in terms of tra- um, performance measures. But as they get, as their window adaptation in, um, increases and their window of improvement decreases, training needs to become more specific to performance measures and needs to become more specific to what we're looking to improve on. So what, what I say is when a lot of guys get strong, and the bracket we look at is between 1.7, 1.5 to 1.75 to two times body weight squat dead and be real confident, not grinding out rest, but looking at re- relative strength and getting stronger on that. Once we start getting them that strong, they're looking at getting them stronger past that point will no longer, and I've seen it, will no, no longer year, a transfer to high velocity or fast velocity characters that we're looking for athletes, so to power and speed. And when we, when we look at athlete development training, everything is looking at developing tower speed efficiency because they're the two most important adaptations we're looking at. Remember, in sport, they don't re- use they don't reach peak force very rarely. It's the rate of force to it's the rate of that the force is developed is so important. So that's the transference we need to look at. So once they're at that stage, getting stronger from that point is no longer um, going to yield tra- adaptation of power and speed. So that's where training needs to have a shift from focusing on that maximal strength or general strength development to working on speed development to working on what we we work on high velocity work. Then we work on um, uh, strengths, uh, uh, strengths, uh, sorry, uh, uh, speed strength with your pliers and jumps. Then we look at, like I talked on last podcast, then we look at strength, speed, high load power. Then we go into strength. So strength is maybe fourth on the totem pole. It's still important. It should be always in the back burner because we know a stronger athlete, strength is your cup. Your, as your maximal strength is up, your power speed potential is up. If your maximal strength is down, your power speed potential is down. So we always need strength in some capacity but depending on their training age and how strong they are and their training, how they move their movement competency will dictate where is it on the program and, and, and their, the focus on the program. What you said for the youth athletes, they don't need to worry on being complex. When I say looking at power, speed development, complex on the complex programming, they just need to do basic general strength work, get really strong and competent on these basic fundamental patterns. My big six, you want to learn about it, go to uh, woodfordssc.com. Buy the um, ebook straight away. I had a lot of messages from your um, listeners asking, can, where can they buy my um, uh, educational output? Go to woodfordssc.com, check it out. We've got a heaps of educational, um, heaps of fantastic educational um, resources you guys can buy to learn as, um, as much as possible. But my big six is a real good book to start, ebook to start, fundamental motor patterns. And I even said, I'll send you one, I'll send you um, the big six, mate. You'll love it because I know you and I are very similar on our methodologies. But our big six is a good place to start for all those um, developmental athletes. F- become savagely confident and strong on those big six pump patterns. Hinge, squat, horizontal push, horizontal pull, vertical push, vertical pull. And then integrate with the skill. And then trust me, you'll start getting transference. As you get stronger and to that 1.75, two times body weight squat deadlift, that's when we can start getting more complex, more, more complex, if you like to call it complex, more specific with high-velocity work with our with our jumps, our pliers, our high-velocity speed work, our acceleration, our top-end speed, and our loaded jumps and our Olympic lifts for our strength speed or high-load power development. Hopefully that answers your question, my friend. It certainly does. I think it's nice to uh, to give some context to that as well because obviously it's easy to sit there and be like, oh, that's not sport-specific. That's not going to transfer. Um, mm. But yeah, then then to work on what does transfer, that's very difficult, of course. 
So yeah, yeah it's nice to, to give balance to that as well, to be like, yeah, like these, these things aren't going to work. Um, yeah. but if you do want something that does work, then it's strength and then strength as a support for speed and power. So I think that's well, a, a really nice way to walk through it. Yeah. I think, listen, strength for everyone out there, this is how I put it to all my, um, all my, um, athletes or, and my listeners who, when I do my podcast is strength is the foundation of your house. Can you build a house without foundation? No, you need that maximal force that um, what we call um, maximum outputs, that maximum force, that, that foundation. Then once you've got that foundation, the tip of the house, the tip, right at the tip of the house is what we call high velocity. That's your speed work. That's your, that's your um, acceleration work. That's your top end work. That's your uh, max velocity work, your top end speed work. And then that's your jumps, your pies, high velocity. And then the, the, the ring down, which is slower, but it's still fast, is your high load power work, your loaded jumps, your Olympic lift, stuff like that. And then your last, the last bit of the, the athlete, um, uh, athletic house is your foundation, your max strength work, your general strength work. And once you've understood that, then you can build up from that. But until that point, develop general strength first and then build up from that. And then you've got your velocity work. And then that's all going to be maximized with your strength work. But if you don't have that strength work, you're not going to maximize the rest of the house. And that's what's so important. Develop the strength first and then build. And that's not to say you can't do jumps and um, uh, jumps or sprints without that strength work. You can develop it concurrently. Like people who say, oh, you need to be able to squat your body weight before you can do pliers is stupid because – Look at all the kids who do hopscotch and they do jump rope out of, you know, back in the day when I was younger, these days, they sit on the Xbox and play Xbox crap like that. But <laughs> back in the day, Matty, I used to go, we, we had to do jump rope. We had to do this jump rope for heart. We used to do, that's a plyometric. Look at the minimal ground contact. You're jumping once a row. You're using elasticity, your, your tendon stiffness, your stiffness of your foot ankle complex. You're jumping. You're developing, you know, that's a pogo. That is a pogo right there. So, for people who say you need your one times body weight for squatting before you can do plyometrics and jump, that's bullshit. You don't need that. Oh, go go, go jump out of a tree, right? Right, yeah, correct. Kids, exactly. kids, kids so jump exactly out of a tree and land on one leg and roll away. Correct, there we go. And that's a plyer. That's a single leg plyer right there. It's a single leg jump. So for people saying that, it's crap. You, don't, you know, I don't rate that. But, um, but you still need to manage it. You still need to be smart. You don't just go out and do 100 fucking hops and jumps when you haven't done it before. Use common sense. Common sense is out the window in SNC really these days, in my opinion. Use common sense and be smart about it. And when, when you mentioned that concurrent training, and I, I want to touch on this very quickly before we have to round up, but when you mentioned yeah. that concurrent training, how might that look for a younger athlete? Because obviously strength might be the, the key priority, but there's only yeah. so much strength you can do without becoming basically a powerlifter. So how, might, right. how do you start to combine those, uh, those different physical qualities to ensure that they're not getting... Um, yeah, just squat, bench, deadlift, and uh, then they can squat 200 kilos, but they can't move anymore. Um, yeah. they, don't, they don't get to that stage, but instead they they keep their athleticism or they develop that athleticism despite yeah. doing that that heavier strength training at the same time. I really find it interesting. We as an industry, we always go to the extreme, so it's always like powerlifting strength, or you know, it, 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 we've got to make sure that there's got to be a balance. So when when anything, remember the number one focus of our our job for any performance coach out there is injury reduction, keep the best players on the park playing their sport. The second thing is athlete performance. So for me is this, we never want to take away from the, the, the skills training and we never want them sore. We, don't want them, we want them fresh with skills training. Everything else is secondary, so we're secondary. So what I, what I think is in terms of um, understanding concurrent training is making sure just a little bit of strength, especially with the maximal strength, is um, making sure that they don't you, – you need to focus on it but at the same time, remember, they need, to be, they need to stay mobile, they need to stay athletic, and this is where you need to manage their loads as much as possible and subjectively and objectively as well. Um, so they actually are adapting. And the most important part for adapting is 
sleep and nutrition, what, what they eat. And I think a lot of young kids, they don't eat well, and you know this, they don't eat well, and they don't sleep well. And they're the two most important parts to get that positive adaptation so they can keep training and, and you can keep focusing on your sport and doing that concurrent training where they are running, they are doing aerobic work, they are doing anaerobic strength work as well, and they maintain that athleticism is making sure they educate them as much as possible on the benefits of both. Can I, can I say one thing because I just bought this up on my computer, Matty? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I didn't – I should have said this at the start and I didn't, but I'm a big dynamic, dynamic correspondence guy. Verkachansky, it was unbelievable, brilliant. He came up with um, there are five essential factors that must be considered when attempting to maximize the dynamic correspondence. And what we mean by that is, for everyone out there, is the transfer to um, from training to the athletic environment for performance. And these are the five things he looked at the amplitude, direction of movement, so the direction of movement, the accentuated region of force production, where's the force produced, the dynamics of effort, the rate of maximum force production. I talked about how before it's not maximum peak force that's most important at the rate which force forcing pr- produced that's so important so i talked about before okay yeah maximal strength is important but this is why we want to focus on power and speed because with power and speed power if you look at power power is the the maximum force of the the maximum force that can be produced in the shortest, shortest possible time so that's high force high velocity so we're looking at um power and speed which is velocity and muscular contraction so how quickly, how quickly force is produced or what's, what's the velocity regime of um, force are produced? So that's why power and speed is so important, not maximal strength. We, we improve strength to improve power and speed potential, not the other way around. So it's very important to understand that. So the last one is the regime of muscle, uh, muscular work. So if you do want to learn more about how can we transfer training, and this is actually on you guys, Science of Sport. It's a really nice little um, uh, clip. I don't know if you can put it on, your, um, on the, on the um, footnotes. But I really like this, and it's got your summaries. The dynamic correspondence is the training effect the physical training program has on athlete sports performance. Due to the many uncontrolled variables during competition, measuring dynamic correspondence is extremely difficult. Thus, the true effects remain elusive. And that is so true. To really understand um, how much transfer we do do get, because we really won't know, um, it's very hard. But you can kind of go through those five factors. And early on, remember what Maddie just said as well and what I just said before, Early on, um, during that de- developmental years, you don't need to focus on too many exercises and having too much, you know, this, these five boxes of dynamic correspondence. We just need to focus on getting big, getting stronger, more efficient uh, uh, over my big six, those fundamental patterns, and improving what we call um, maximum outputs in the gym and then integrating the skill. Once their training age increases and they're around that area where two times, 1.7 times body weight with strength, and they're moving savagely well, and they move the good, really good bar speed. They're not grinding out reps. Once they're at that stage, and their window adaptation is, is, is smaller, because everyone's got a genetic ceiling on how far their strength, their power, their speed gauge. You know, that's relative genetically. Um, uh, that's not. We can't really modify that. That's genetics. Once their window of adaptation is quite small, then we start need to get more quote unquote complex with our program, more specific with our programming, to tr- transfer to what we want in terms of our KPIs. What are our KPIs? We're looking at key performance indicators. Are we looking at RSI? Are we looking at um, single effort power, are we looking at 10 meter speed, 20 meter speed, 40 meter speed? And that's where you've got to get more specific with that train to get transference. And generally speaking, the train that we want to get more specific on is the train that's going to transfer. And we know power and speed will transfer and our KPIs of elasticity, um, uh, power, single effort power, multiple effort power, um, speed work. We know that change of direction, um, uh, agility, we know that's going to transfer more than strength because they're not lifting weights in a the game. They're running, they're jumping, they're changing direction. That's all power, speed-based work. 
Absolutely excellent, mate. I think that's an excellent summary as well. So Christian, massive thanks for your time and effort today on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking again soon. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Loved it like always. And once again, guys, please, what is it? Kill Sports Pacific. Let's get that hashtag going. I'm pumped. Thanks, guys, very much. I appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Thanks, mate. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Christian for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to check out the Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you want to get in there and learn more about the world of sports-specific training, all you need to do is click the link in the show notes, which will get you in there completely free for the next seven days. So click that link in just a few seconds time. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to give it a like and a share. And if possible, recommend it to a friend, a coach, a colleague, or even an athlete. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.